So last week we talked about authority and power and how that operates in the kingdom a little bit. And for a quick review, probably the the thing I wanted you to get most last week is your authority is only as good as the power that backs it up. Right? I give you my debit card and I say, hey, here, take it, spend it. It won't take you long to use it up, okay? But if a multi-billionaire came and gave you the debit card, it would take you a while. And you could buy a lot of nice things with it that you can't buy with my debit card because the bank account is the power behind the debit card. The debit card is the authority. We talked about in Haggai, God said to Zerubbabel, I'm going to make you my signet ring. And that signet ring there and the signet ring in Luke 15 and the story of the prodigal son is all about authority. And it gives authority. If a government gives you authority, you have the authority of that government. If I came behind you, flashed my lights, and tried to give you a ticket, you'd just laugh at me because I got no power to do it just because I didn't like the way you drive. But if there's a car with a red light on it or blue and red lights and they have a uniform on it, that means something, and we all understand that. So we talked about the centurion and his understanding of authority and how authority operates. And Jesus was amazed at his understanding of faith. Isn't that interesting? He understood authority, and Jesus said, you understand faith. So in our faith walk with God and learning what faith is, part of that learning of what faith is is learning how authority operates. And if you're going to be in God's kingdom, you're going to be under authority. And the more you place yourself under authority, the more God can give you authority to operate. So, when we left the Mennonite church, we went immediately under another authority as a church because I don't want to be a lone ranger. I want authority over me. And that's just one of the reasons then I make myself under authority to other people too. Then we looked at the, the parable of the Mida and the faithfulness of those who use the Mida, which is a day's wages. And it wasn't very big and it wasn't very much. And the whole thing in the parable is because you were faithful with the little I gave you, I will give you more. One guy got one mita, and by the time he was done, God, or the master in the story, gave him ten cities to be in charge of. That's a vast jump, isn't it? Another guy got five cities. But it's learning to be faithful with the little bit of authority you start with. In that parable, we learned that there's different levels of authority, and we grow up, and it's caused by faithfulness. So I want to preach today, talk about what I thought I would have done last Sunday and done last Sundays today, but God wanted it this way. So we're going to do it this way. We're going to start in Genesis this morning, verses 26 and 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in my image? No, our image. Let us make mankind, not the gender man, but mankind, human beings, man and woman. 
Let us is plural. In ours is plural. Right? If it was singular, God would have said, I will make man in my image. But God is plural, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And yet, they are one. It is in a dimension that we don't understand. It just takes faith. Just like I've never seen Jesus, and I have faith to go with him. So, how did he make us? In their image and in their likeness. Whatever that means, I don't get it all. But one of the things, for instance, we have the ability and the power to make choices, right? God gave to every human being the authority to make choices. And when government or when churches or when anybody comes and tries to take that right of making a choice from you, you know it's demonic because God gives you choices. And when a government is supposed to protect you in making those choices, a church is supposed to protect you in making those choices, not take those choices away. As a church in the kingdom of heaven, we invite people to do things. We don't command them to do things. So, after being made in his image and his likeness, what does he say? So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. When God talks about making us in his image and in his likeness, he says, let them rule or subdue, or be in dominion. The point is this. We were created in the image of God to rule, to subdue. This is not something that is, God is not asking something of us that he didn't create us to do, okay? That's the lie of the enemy, saying you can't rule, you can't be in authority, you can't live in dominion. God says, I created you like that. That's part of being in my image and my likeness is that just as I rule, so you can learn to rule. Amen? Amen. If you're a parent, what did you do with your kids? At first, we didn't give them any choices, did we? But as they grew up, we gave more and more choices. But we ruled, we subdued, we were in dominion over them. And then that lessened as they got older because they were mature and able to handle more. We rule over nature. We subdue nature. Okay? Let's go to verse 28. He says the same thing again. God blessed them, meaning mankind, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it. And rule over it. Once again, we were created to be rulers, subduers, people in dominions. So when we talk about authority, it was given to us when the earth was created. Right? We did a really bad job, didn't we? We gave it away to Satan. And there's a whole bunch of thoughts on that by people. Like, when was Satan created? Was he created after the world was created, before the world was created? Stuff the Bible really doesn't know, say. And was Satan jealous of Adam and Eve because they were given the ability to rule and Satan wanted to rule so badly? Just interesting stuff that the Bible really doesn't tell us. So now we're moving to the New Testament. And we're going to start talking about authority, and we'll probably end up some of that next week with 
ordination anyhow, which is ordaining people as authority. You do it with the kingdom of heaven behind you. So, mankind gave away authority. Then how did we give it back? Get it back. We celebrated communion today. That's where we got it back. It was at the cross. When Jesus paid for our sins, he became the curse on the tree. He died. He went to hell. He rose again. Then Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, All authority. How much authority? How much is all? Like every little drip of authority? Like how much authority does Satan have in your life? If Jesus has it all, then the only authority in your life is the authority you have given Satan to operate. Amen? Your thought life. By not taking captive thoughts and making them obedient to Christ, you give authority to the liar. Generational sins that you don't break or curses that you don't break, you're given authority away. Fear, you're given authority away. Addictions is given authority away. And the church in North America is full of addictions. And we recognize some addictions. We would look at an alcoholic and go, oh, yeah, he's addicted. Look at that. That's a shame. Or the drug addict or the sex addict. What about eating? What about spending? What about addiction to pleasure? Oh, we don't deal with that in the church, do we? Because then it might get close to me. We are addicted to our pleasure, but how much of us want to give the Father pleasure? Or doesn't that even come across our mind that we want to please our Father who loved us so much because it's all about me? Me, 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 me. So I turn into a consumer in God, and I take, and I take, and I take. What am I giving to him? Am I concerned about his pleasure? So all authority in heaven and earth that doesn't leave any other place has been given to me. And because Jesus received all authority, then we go. See, the authority that Jesus carries demands a response from us. If Jesus has all authority, now if we're a consumer Christian and all we want to do is get to heaven, then hallelujah, Jesus did it. I'm now ready to go and I'm going to live life to myself and maybe I'll make it there someday. Or if we're really invested in the kingdom of heaven, now we get to go and do the works of the kingdom because we've been given authority to do that. Satan will try to come and tell you why you don't carry authority. Every time you sin, and you knew you were going to sin before you did it, he'll jump on your case and say, yeah, you just lost your authority. It's like, no, the blood and the body. I'm made righteous immediately. And if you don't love Jesus enough to obey his commandments, then you're having issues anyhow. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. 
Not just disciples of individuals, but disciples of all nations. When we invest into Musharraf, we are investing in his attempt, along with others in Bangladesh, but with him to make disciples in Bangladesh, most of which come out of a Muslim background. Some come out of a Hindu background. He's making disciples, just like we need to do here baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We make disciples, we baptize them, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Has the age ended yet? If the age hasn't ended, then these verses speak to us. Is Christ still with us today? Yep. And we are called to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, because he has all authority. The question is, do we live like it? So we're going to go look at a couple of places where Jesus talks to his disciples and then talks to us. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. Where did they get their authority? From Jesus. When did they get the authority? When they were available to answer the call of Jesus to come into intimacy. Could have Jesus gave them authority where they were and they didn't have to come? He could have. But he called them to come to him. See, too many people try to live their Christian lives apart from Jesus And when he calls them, they're too busy to hear, but they wear the tag Christian, right? Jesus said, if you want to serve me, you must follow me. There's no service in the kingdom. There may be service in an earthly kingdom, and you may look good and build a ministry of some sort, but it's Jesus said, you follow me before you serve me. He called the 12 disciples to be with them, him, before he gave authority. What does this authority do? It drives out impure spirits. It heals every disease and sickness. That's pretty awesome authority. I read this verse and I say, wouldn't it it have been nice if we at Coast Springs were operating in this authority and in this power so well that when COVID-19 came, we didn't have to shut down? Because COVID-19 is under the authority of Christ, and we were living in it so well. I had a guy ask me if we were going to shut down what we were going to do. And I said, listen, if, if our history was the last year, every sickness and disease was being healed in this place, we wouldn't shut down. We'd keep going. But because our history has been amounts of healing, but not everybody and completely all the time, we had to kind of be safe, didn't we? I hope next time something like this comes around, we are to the place of operating an authority where John G. Lake, they put the plague or whatever it was on his hand on a microscope and they watched it die when it hit him because he was so much into the authority and power of God, it could not live in him. A little later he tells him this, as you go, proclaim this message or preach this message. I hear People today talking about how preaching isn't really cool for today. And it's like, no, preaching has always been part of the kingdom. We may do it in different ways, but 
God has always invested himself in preachers. In fact, the great revivals of the past have happened through people who were preachers and proclaimed the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God has come near. God gave his disciples authority to preach kingdom of heaven. Notice he did not say the gospel of salvation. Okay? He said the kingdom of heaven. The gospel of salvation is within the kingdom of heaven. But the gospel of salvation is not where we end. The kingdom of heaven is much greater than salvation. So... We preach salvation. We preach kingdom. If I had you come over to my house and I had this scrumptious meal upstairs and we were going to eat it, but you came in my front door, it's raining hard outside, so you just get in the door enough to get out of the rain, but you don't come up and eat with us, are you in my house? Are you out of the rain? But are you getting what I invited you over to get? No. It's the same thing with the kingdom of heaven. It breaks my heart when Christians just talk about salvation. That's all they do, and they don't move on. Discipling is teaching them to move on in the kingdom. John 3, Jesus talks to Nicodemus. He says that when we get born again or born of the water and the blood, the spirit, we enter and we see the kingdom. Okay, so it's a place, the kingdom of God is a place that we can see in our spirits and we can enter. It's a real place. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those that have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Because we haven't lived in the authority. We don't do this anymore. We do it at a very low rate of what God intended us to do. Things are going to change. There's a move God coming, and we're going to return to this stuff, and the kingdom of heaven is going to be abundant. And we're going to have to learn not only how to operate it on the outside of us, but get this stuff aligned up with heaven. Because the Church of Christ in North America is a long ways from alignment with heaven yet in what we love. Freely we have received it. Just as freely as we have received it, we are to give it. Okay? That means you don't need to have a big name ministry. And while the Bible definitely teaches that we give money to those who oversee us and care for us and bring us the word, it is not about getting rich, okay? The, the better you pray a person who feeds you, the more time he has to or she has to put into preparing the feeding, right? Common sense. And it's that way in the kingdom. It's just when we take it too far. I could tell you some things that happen in the church today that just disgust me, that have to do with money and playing games with money. Luke 10, verses 1 and 2. This is a different time. This is now not just the 12 disciples. This is the 72 
people that are followers of Jesus, and he enlarges the group, okay? Don't know who was in it. No names. Doesn't tell us anything, but 72 people, 72 others. After this, the Lord anointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Isn't that interesting? Jesus sent people out to prepare what he was doing. And you will find with some of the revivalists of the past, they did the same thing. They would send the prayer warriors into a town a week or two before they got there. And it was a team effort. It wasn't just the revivalist. He told them, and you will find this in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest or into his fields. Matthew 9, the end of it, Jesus comes and overlooks a crowd of people, and it says he was moved with compassion. And then he told the disciples to pray for the labors. Matthew 10, that we just read, tells you about the kind of laborers or the kind of workers in the harvest he's talking about. And it's what we're going to talk about here next, too. There is a worker. The worker in the harvest is not just anybody going out and spreading the name of Jesus. That's good, and we appreciate it. But God was talking about more than that. I love verse 5. Never paid attention to it before, but as I was going through it this time, because I guess the time we live in, when they go out and they came to a village, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Remember in Haggai 2, where we talked about God said, I'm going to give you a greater glory in your temple than the first one had, than the Solomon temple. I'm going to outdo that with my glory. Now in Solomon's temple, when God came, the cloud came and nobody could minister. They were all wiped out. All they could do is kneel before God and worship him because the glory was there. Well, God said in this next temple, which is a simple little thing, I'm going to give you greater glory here. And I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you shalom. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus is giving his disciples, not just the 12, but the 72 authority to take shalom and bring it into homes. We carry authority to be peacemakers, to be peace givers. It goes on to say, I don't have the verses up there, that if they refuse it, it'll come back to you. But if they receive it, it stays in their home. Pretty cool. You got the authority to go out and bless people and bring peace to their homes. I know some homes that really need peace. I'm not sure they'll receive it if they come because their life has been drama since the parents were kids. But it's available to them for peace. And that's part of our authority is to go bring peace to people who want peace. Couple of verses later. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. And that's not what I wanted. I gave the wrong words or the wrong verse for that. It goes on to say, preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Okay? Once again, the authority to bring the kingdom of heaven to wherever we are at. 
So that's cool. That's what God told people at their time. It's interesting to me that when you talk about this stuff, there's always those people. Well, that was for the disciples. That was for Jesus' people. And then they'll say, when they teach, they'll go, and Jesus says that if you look upon a woman, you've already lusted in their heart. Well, that was to Jesus, to his people back then too. So either the teachings of Jesus apply to all of us, regardless of time, or they don't. And you can't pick and choose adultery as one that applies to us all, but authority doesn't. Amen? You're picking and choosing out of the Gospels. We're called to rightly divide the word of truth. That means we've got to get close to the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the word and the interpreter of the word, and become a very good friend of the Holy Spirit and learn his voice and listen to him. Matthew sixteen fifteen. He said to them, Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I find that interesting. We preach the gospel to all creation. Kind of makes me remember in Romans 8 where creation is waiting for the sons of God to be manifest, made manifest. I don't know if there's a connection there or not. But you can go out and preach to the trees and to the frogs and to the toads and to the snakes. They're all creation. Whoever believes, we got to get this straight before we go out into the world. Whoever believes, not whoever is good enough, a person who believes enough to repent, right? Because if you believe, you change behavior as well as your thinking. Now, that takes a period of time. That doesn't happen overnight. Wish it would. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Part of the proof of believing is you receiving baptism, you desiring that. The one who believes is saved, but who does not believe will be condemned. It is not in how good or bad we are. That is, a, that is the result of believing. What saves us, and you can go to John three sixteen through 20 or so, and you read the same stuff. What saves us is a belief in Jesus. What condemns us is not believing in Jesus. When the Philippian jailer came to Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in Jesus. Okay? Not get your act together. Not be good people. Believe in Jesus and all that other stuff will happen and follow it. The world hears the church say today, when you're good enough, you can get saved. If you go out and ask people on the street, are you going to go to heaven? Sure, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I'm a good person. No, you're not good. You're evil and sinful. The desires of your heart and the, the motivations of your heart are all about me. It's a belief in Jesus and letting him change us. These signs will accompany those who believe. Notice, will believe. It's future tense. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. That is talking about my wife sitting there in the back. She has the authority to pick up the snakes and they won't hurt her. I say that because she hates snakes with a passion. She got a little growth to doing that authority. And remember the story of Paul at Patmos 
he went and picked up wood and he threw it in the fire and the viper came out and bit him and he didn't die. And they're all sitting there amazed. This is not to go to Kentucky or wherever the churches are and pick up snakes. And they got a trick to that too, by the way, just so you know. They keep them refrigerated and they start the snake handling in the front of the church when the snakes are cold and docile. And then as it goes back in the church, the snakes start to warm up. So the spiritual ones are up front. So if I'm going to be in one of those churches, I get the front row. I guess that's what we need to do here, and we'll have the front rows really full, wouldn't we? That's why I'm retiring, because I think things like that. They drink, and when they drink poison, it will not hurt them. Listen, I don't understand everything. I've heard the stories of the government giving them poison to drink because they want to kill them and they don't die. And then I hear other stories of the government giving people poison, and some of them do die. And I don't know what the difference is, and I don't have to. I know the possibility is when you drink poison or are given poison or given whatever medicines in your body that are poison, that your body can handle it because of the kingdom of heaven in it. Okay? And that is not to put judgment on anybody because every situation is different and what's going on inside of people we can't see is different. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. What does it say in James 5? Anoint with oil. Does this say anything about oil? Does this say anything about mud? See the variety of the way God does things. And whatever you're comfortable with and the Holy Spirit gives you to do, do it. You may do nothing but speak it, like we talked about last week when the centurion came to Jesus and said, you don't have to come to my house, you just got to speak the word, and that authority you carry will come to my house and heal my servant. Okay? Paul, claws that hit his body, take him down the road a ways and lay him on somebody, and the authority will heal him, and they didn't lay hands. Paul's not laying hands on him. Paul's not even speaking to him. They just got a cloth. Peter walks down the street, doesn't say a word, People get in the shadow, they get healed. God does it all kinds of ways. So when God does something weird with you, you just go, cool. It's God. After the 72 went out that we just talked about, this is when they returned. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now, is that cool? If you ever have the opportunity to cast out demons and the demons come out, you get pretty jazzed at it. It's something you're not used to doing. If you pray for the sick and the person gets healed, yeah, jazzes us up pretty good. That's really neat. Hallelujah, I operated in the kingdom. And that's cool. And I want you to do that, and I want to do that more. The demons submitted to us in your name. Who carried the power? Who had the authority? Jesus had authority over them, but Jesus gave those people the authority to use on the demons. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I think this means two times. I think the first time Jesus seen it, Satan rebelled in heaven, got arrogant, took a third of the angels, and it lasted for an instant. God recognized it, boom, 
he was gone. Lightning out of heaven. Jesus sends the 72 out. They go and start to minister the kingdom of heaven. The territorial authorities of Satan's kingdom fell like lightning when they started operating in the kingdom and the authority of heaven. Something different about them and about us in Kalkaska. Would you agree? Maybe we need to be asking God more about this and seeing what we have adjustments to make in our lives to start yielding that kind of authority. Because the people in Kalkaska are getting ripped off or northern Michigan are getting ripped off because we're not living in that. There's all kinds of addictions around us that people ought to be set free. There's homes where kids are molested and abused. And we can't make choices for people, but we can show them the hope and help them get there if they want to. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Think of this physically. I'm not sure I want to do that. I guess gardener snakes I could handle, but scorpions I've never liked. They look demonic to me, okay? I see it, I think, demon. But spiritually, we have authority to walk on them, to trample on them. They don't walk on us. We walk on them. COVID-19 does not trample on us. We trample on COVID-19. Amen? Amen. And we got to start thinking those terms. Instead of thinking worldly, we got to start thinking heavenly. And oh yeah, the church will caution you from that. But what does the word say? I guess I'm getting old and I just want to get real with it. I want to do it before I die. And overcome the weaker power of the enemy. That's the way we think, isn't it? If it's weak enough, I got authority over it and I can handle it. No. Jesus said you can overawe the power of the enemy. You're an overcomer. Just like Jesus was when he walked the earth and did this stuff for us to read about. Nothing will harm you. Spiritually, nothing will harm you. We know people have died because they love Jesus, and people will die today because they love Jesus. Before their day is up, they will have died because they wouldn't deny Jesus. Because they believed in Jesus so much that this earthly life didn't matter much anymore. I hope we're to that place. However, Jesus says, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice your names are written in heaven. Kira and Ann are going around Kalkaska laying hands on people, praying for them, and they get healed and demons are flying out. And everybody looks at the two girls and go, wow, what's going on with them? And they're both bashful, so they'd go hide. Okay? That's cool, and they need to rejoice in it. They need to tell me when that stuff happens, and I'll rejoice with them. But there's something far more I rejoice over, and that is in heaven there is a book. And my name is written in the book. 
and I am known in heaven. I have a father up there. Yes, I got an earthly father up there, but I got a heavenly father up there who knows me by name and knows how many hairs are on my head, who is constantly thinking thoughts about me. I am so well loved. That's where the rejoicing's at. And all this stuff that happens here on earth, that's kingdom of heaven on earth, that grabs eyeballs, that's cool. But it's at 3 o'clock at night when you wake up. I don't have to have another miracle tomorrow to keep my identity up. See, I'm resigning here in three weeks. And you know what? It just doesn't bother me because it's not an identity thing. My identity is I'm a son of God. I'm just going to take time. I'm going to retire. I'm going to stay down while God lets me stay down. And when he brings something else my way, I will go do that. And it doesn't matter because I'm a son. That's where my joy's at. Because if it was in my identity as a church leader, I wouldn't be retiring because I'd have to hang on to that thing. Or I'd have to have something to replace it really fast. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have given, that because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. There's Pharisees and Sadducees in the crowd, the learned ones. Jesus rejoices that they're not the ones doing it. They're the ones that carry the titles and the education. And I'm not against education. This is about heart position, okay? Education tends to puff us up, but you don't have to be puffed up by much learning. You can, you can stay humble. And a person without much learning can become very proud too. So it's heart condition. But you revealed them to who? Little children. Now, the 72 that he sent out, were they little kids? No, they were grown disciples. You know he's talking about heart. Their attitude was one of learning the kingdom from Jesus. Little children. He goes on to say, Yes, Father, this, for this is what you are pleased to do. What pleased the Father? To take ordinary little people, no-name people, and give them the kingdom to minister and have them go out and minister it. Isn't that cool? Because I qualify for that. A lot of repentance needs to continue to happen in me. Quit thinking like the world. Start thinking more as the kingdom of heaven. That's tough when you're living in a physical world, and that's what you're dealing with. But there's a call to be seated with Christ in heavenly realms, far above all principalities and powers, and any name that's invoked. We'll talk about that next week. Jesus also said a little later, Do not be afraid, little flock. Once again, notice that littleness. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The pleasure of the Father is to reveal himself and the kingdom to people and to give the kingdom 
That's his pleasure, right? Ephesians 1 says what? Before we were created, before the earth was created, thank you, before the earth was created, God chose us out of all the vast choices God had to create whatever he wanted to create for pleasure. He created us to become sons of God according to his good pleasure. Now that just blows me away. Because God's unlimited in his creative thinking and abilities, right? He wanted somebody in his image and likeness to become sons, to take his authority and use it to bring others into the kingdom. So you might only touch one or two people. Others like Reinhard Bunky touch millions. If you're just doing what brings pleasure to the Father, it's all that matters in life. It's not about a big ministry and a big name. It's about pleasing the Father. Sons like pleasing their father if their father is a good father. Even bad fathers, sons want to please them. Sons spend their whole life trying to please a bad father to get them to say something good about them as sons. How much more a heavenly father takes pleasure in his children when we accomplish what he sends us out to do. Whether it's in marketplace, whether it's in the church, when we just do what we were created to do, and we take the kingdom of God and we employ it there. Amen. Because God's given little of you that not many people know the authority of the kingdom of heaven to do that stuff. And it's getting ready to bust out all over the earth. There's other stuff getting ready to bust out over the earth. Probably in two weeks, we'll talk about the great divide that's happening in the earth. I'm waking up at night and God's talking. If it's God, okay? If it's not God, then Brent's just going crazy. And just let me sleep. I don't want to hear it. But he wakes me up at 4 o'clock this morning and starts talking to me. And it's like, i got to preach. Let me sleep. But there are things happening in the spiritual realm that are shaken, and it's shaking nations, and it's separating sheep and goats. It's going to separate the church from the real church of Jesus Christ to the church of Jesus Christ that wants to get to heaven but don't want to follow him. It's going to be divided. Don't worry. We don't have anything to do. Sheep and goat nations are being divided, and they're going to take their place, and God's working and exposing stuff, and you're going to see a lot of it pretty soon. And you need to pray for those people that they don't despair and go into suicide, but that they go to God in repentance. Okay? That's our job as Christians, to love them and start prophesying over them. Because they're going to be embarrassed. And shame. You know the enemy in shame. So we're not going there today, and I'm going to shut up about that. So take this stuff to God. Ask him about it. 
You need to hear it from him. You don't need to hear it from me. When the Spirit tells you, you're going to pay a lot more attention than when Brent tells you. And you ought to. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you created us. A bunch of nobodies this world doesn't know. And that we have the ability to bring pleasure to you. Just like you bring your pleasures to us, we can bring pleasure to you. I don't know, God, when, when I think about that stuff, that's, that just touches my spirit and it calls me. Because I've enjoyed your pleasure, I want to return pleasure to you. More than I want my own pleasure. So, Father, I invite you to help me in that journey. And I invite you to help this church in that journey and the individuals in this church in that journey. It pleases you. When we start to walk out the kingdom, it pleased you to give us the kingdom. It pleases you when we become sons of the kingdom and the rule and the reign of our Father flows through the sons because you've given us the ring and we start operating in that authority. And Lord, there's a lot more depth of that that needs to happen in every one of our hearts. And we invite you to come and do that in us. Holy Spirit, you're faithful to that. You're the spirit, not of slavery, but of sonship. And we ask you to come and anoint our hearts and our minds with thoughts of sonship. Sons of the kingdom. We give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen.